We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Nerds. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm joined here today by Annie Cushing. She is the founder of Analytics.com. And so, Annie, I want to first thank you so much for coming on Marketing Nerds. I've been a big fan of yours, and I really think it's cool that you specialize in analytics. Oh, thank you for having me, Kelsey. And I love your uh, website name, too. It's so clever. <laughs> I know. I think it's the only brand that started as a joke on Twitter and then just kind of <laughs> took off. That's awesome. So first, I just want to get a little more of your background just for our listeners so they kind of know where you're coming from. And I just wanted to ask you how you got started in analytics specifically. Yeah, so my background uh, initially was editorial. So I worked in editorial for <clears throat> almost 20 years uh, to really date myself. And I was working for a publishing company and I was the managing editor for a publication. And um, and we had an article that was written by one of the illustrators for A Scanner Darkly. And he wrote this Illustrator tutorial on how to get the Scanner Darkly effect in Illustrator. And it completely went viral before going viral was a thing. That wasn't even a term associated <laughs> um, back then. I think it was 2005, maybe. And this this post, it, it quickly eclipsed like the traffic to our homepage for that particular magazine and oh, wow. and stuff. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, within a matter of weeks and or probably not even weeks, probably less than two weeks. And so I remember going into the analytics to try to figure out what was going on. And it, I just really hit paver with me. Like I was, was very, very fascinated by analytics. And, and you know, so I was going into analytics with a specific purpose of seeing how my publications were performing. And then I started looking at, well, what kind of content do, you know, do our readers really seem to jive with and, and stuff. And, and, and so then after that, I just couldn't get enough material to learn analytics. But I remember in the early days, you know, like, <clears throat> like I thought if, if the, uh, if the report wasn't in that left sidebar, like it did, just didn't exist. So I remember the <laughs> early days thinking like, man, I really wish I could have seen this other thing, but oh, well, you know, and saving PDFs of the reports and, you know, cause I had no idea how to visualize data in Excel or anything like that. And um, besides, like, very, very basic charts. And then I took Avinash Kaushik's uh, analytics certification course, which pulled me through the keyhole backwards. And that was the course that definitely kind of made me analytics. Because once again, <clears throat> you know, I was just so fascinated by all of it. And, um, and after the course, just couldn't get enough analytics. And I think that was maybe 2000. 
2006 or 2007. I don't know. I I don't remember the years. Uh, and then it just kind of went from from there. But having started in analytics, feeling very intimidated by it, it kind of gave me a level of empathy for people who are new to Google Analytics. So I just kind of made it my mission to try as much as possible to reduce the intimidation of analytics because I had to overcome so much of that myself. So that's how I got into it. And now I do very little, if anything, with editorial. Um, I still have a bent in in that direction, um, and it's helped me probably with writing tutorials and stuff like that. Um, but my my love, my passion is all things data. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's cool that you mention how overwhelming um, Google Analytics can be for beginners because I know when I started out in marketing, you know, seven or eight years ago, I was totally overwhelmed. And now that they keep continuing to add new features and reports, it's easy to just not even know where to get started. So it's great that you have those resources out there to help people. Um, uh, so another question I wanted to ask you, which is probably something you get asked all the time, is what do you think are some of the most important metrics that all sites should be looking at? So, for instance, you know, bounce rate is something that I hear a lot of people kind of obsessing over or looking over a lot. And, you know, the, the less the percentage, the better. Is that something everyone should look at? Or are there other metrics? Uh, that people should focus on more? What's your take on it? Yeah, so bounce rate, I definitely agree with Avinash Kashik that bounce rate is the golden metric in many respects. Uh, however, one thing to keep in mind <clears throat> is that bounce rate is not a blog. A blog, you should really segment out your blog traffic from like your like let's say you're an e-commerce site that also has a blog you should be looking at that traffic very differently because blogs are by nature going to have very high bounce rates and so uh, I know a lot of clients get tripped up on this you know because they'll look at their data in aggregate just meaning that they're looking at it all together but with a blog because of how Google Analytics calculates bounce rates there has to be a second page that a visitor looks at in order for that bounce rate to be calculated. And so with blogs, someone may come and they might read one of my blog posts, like one of my <clears throat> comprehensive guides, and spend 20 minutes reading the page. But if they don't click through to another page or they don't interact with the page in some way and I have that set up, to track the interaction with something called event tracking, then if they hit the back button or you know just let the session time out after 30 minutes, that's going to be a bounce. And so it's just not a really good gauge when it comes to blogs. There are things that you can do to make that bounce rate a little more realistic. Like you could trigger some kind of event. Um, like let's say you decided, you know what, if someone spends more than 30 seconds or 60 seconds on our page, we don't want that to be considered a bounce. Mm -hmm. And so you could fire off an event that, uh, that you then capture in Google Analytics. And then as long as that event happens, then it won't be counted as a bounce because an interaction 
action has happened on the page. But aside from that, like out of the box, it's really not a good rate, I mean, a good metric for blogs. However, for e-commerce site, any site that has money pages, anyone who's doing PPC, so if you're running AdWords or anything like that, bounce rate is absolutely critical. And especially for PPC, like your PPC landing pages, your bounce rates for those should be very low because that's all traffic that you control because you're paying for that traffic. And so that's one of the things I look at. Well, what's the bounce rate on your PPC landing pages? And if you see a bounce rate there between 60 to 80%, that's potentially a campaign that needs to be optimized. Whereas with a blog, a bounce rate between 60 to 80% is very much expected. Beyond that, I personally... I'm a much bigger fan of sticking to session metrics rather than visitor metrics. Okay. So sessions, you know, definitely looking at things like sessions, revenue, you know, those types of things, uh, goal completions, you know, things like that. I'm not as keen on visitor metrics only because they operate under the assumption, like back in, you know, 2007, 2010, even a couple years ago, they were a little more telling because typically people would come to your site with one device. Now, every device that someone visits your site with, they show up as a different visitor. And so if you are really focusing on visitor metrics, I might be like for my bank, I could easily be four different visitors because I'm using different apps. Um, Chrome, I might visit via Safari, even different instances of Chrome, I would show up as a unique visitor. And so, you know, if you have a site where you feel like people are consistently using multiple devices, I would kind of edge away from visitor-based metrics and really stick more to session metrics. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that kind of ties back to what you were talking about with bounce rate. So I know it Search Engine Journal, I often have people say that they visit Search Engine Journal every day. And so even though maybe they're just reading one article and then leaving, they're still a loyal visitor across, you know, a regular instance. But like you said, if we only look at bounce rate, then it you, it doesn't really capture that loyalty of returning visitors if you're only judging by bounce rate. And so that's a good point you make about you know, judging sessions versus visitors because, you know, with timeouts and security and the different ways people access websites today, there really is no, you know, special way to say, okay, well, today Annie visited our site, you know, six times, twice on the app, two on Chrome and one on Firefox. I mean, am I saying that correctly? There's not really, okay. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's definitely a challenge for us as you know, website builders and developers and publishers is try to figure out the trends, you know, because that's mainly what it comes down to. I mean, we don't want to track everyone individually. We just want to see the trends. So I think looking at sessions, like you said, and and bounce rate, but only when it's towards revenue um, makes more sense. So that's really good advice. Um, Excellent. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, which I kind of touched on earlier, so I feel like I I feel pretty good about using analytics, but then Google introduces something new, and it, it always mm-hmm. takes me a while to mm-hmm. learn it. And so 
Is there anything that they've introduced in the last year that you think, okay, this is really important, you know, if you have a website or a blog, you should be looking at? Yeah, absolutely. So they just recently introduced uh, something called calculated metrics, and this really is a game changer. So about maybe a year ago, a little more than a year ago, they introduced custom metrics, and that really didn't go anywhere. Like there are some really, really advanced users who are using custom metrics. But then Google came out with calculated metrics, and what that allows you to do is create your own calculated metrics using other metrics offered inside of Google Analytics. So for someone like Avinash, this is a huge boon because you can get a lot more like user-based metrics that Google Analytics doesn't offer by default. Now, I'm not completely against user-based metrics. Uh, I did write a blog post about why uh, user-based metrics are BS, but I did also explain where they're, you know, what types of sites really, really benefit, benefit from user-based metrics. However, with the calculated metrics, you can create, I mean, any number of custom metrics just by saying, okay, I want to take this total and divide it by this total or this total and multiply it by, you know, this number here. And then you can access your own calculated metrics in custom reports. So, for example, like, um, and Luna Metrics wrote a good post on this, as did Avinash. So if you just Google either of those with calculated metrics, you'll see their posts come up. But some of the examples that Lunametrics shared were uh, revenue after refunds. And so you could take the, um, the money from the, that you have paid out in refunds in like COGS, cost of goods sold, um, the amount that you typically pay in advertising or anything like that. Uh, like he shared an example of multiplying the revenue by, I think it was 0.3, um, because he figured out that he was spending about 70% in cost of goods sold and, you know, paying employees and things like that, and that only about 30% of the revenue was actual, like, profit. And, um, and so he had a calculated column for that revenue amount, you know, um, minus, 70% or multiplied by 0.3. Uh, and there were some others, like one of my favorite features of this is if you have a lot of different goals, there was no way in Google Analytics to kind of concatenate some of those goal completions. So if you had three different goal completions that are pretty related, you would have to uh, take outside of Google Analytics, you would have to in Excel or your database kind of concatenate those totals. But now you can do that with calculated metrics. So you could have a column in a custom report that says, you know, this is all of our form submissions, like total form submissions. And that might be goal two, six, and eight or something. You know, so that's hugely useful. But then also, again, if you have uh, an interest in user-based metrics, you could calculate like sessions per user, revenue per user, page views per user, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that really is a very significant game changer. Um, another one, if you're doing <clears throat> much with uh, 
PPC, well, particularly AdWords, they had this they had this new feature, but it was never announced to my knowledge. I just stumbled across it. But you can customize your channel, like your if you go to um, I believe it's acquisition all traffic channels, and the channels report is hands down my favorite report in Google Analytics, and it used to by default you have paid search as a channel, but you can split that out and segment it between branded paid search and generic paid search, which I think, again, is a really significant game changer because typically branded paid search campaigns perform much, much higher than generic paid search. But when you get that data all in aggregate, you lose some of that significance. And, uh, and so there's this feature where you can just go in, like when I set mine up, it just asks you, well, what are your branded terms? So I put in, you know, Annie Lytic, Annie Cushing. I even included Ann Cushing. So my name is not Ann, it's legally Annie, but, you know, sometimes people will type that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just put in all of my branded terms and any keyword that includes those terms is going to be funneled into the branded page search and everything else gets funneled into the generic paid search channel. Um, also, another one, I don't know that this was introduced in the last year. It might be a little bit more than a year. But Google Analytics offers its own remarketing. And I run across this quite a bit in analytics audits uh, where I'll see clients who are doing remarketing, but they're only using AdWords. And Google Analytics gives you so many more options to target uh, p- visitors for remarketing campaigns inside of Google Analytics because you have access to a lot more data. So, you know, if someone has visited this particular page and not converted, or if the, if someone is a new visitor and, you know, visits this page over here at any point, if they're in this country, if, you know, I mean, you name it, like you Basically, if the data is in Google Analytics, you can target them with remarketing campaigns. So, and you can run remarketing even um, using all of just your Google Analytics settings. But anyway, so that's another kind of lost opportunity where, again, it's a it's something that Google announced, but there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare about it. And a lot of times with these announcements, they're made kind of from a technical standpoint, but the business case for them isn't made. So that's where I come along and go, this is amazing. And here are some really practical applications of it. And then there are other things that they get really excited about, like the user ID feature, biggest waste of time for like the vast majority of sites. And they were so excited about that feature. So, you know, go figure. Yeah, it's good we have people like you to explain why it's important because I think a lot of people who aren't in data every day is just like, okay, why should I add this? And so it's good that you're there and, and you know, others that are blogging about analytics and data to help us because I think if people just learn about all the possibilities, then it would really help them figure out, you know, what's doing best for their site. Yeah, and I talked with with someone on the Google Analytics team, and I have great friends on the team. I love their work. I respect their work tremendously. 
Um, but one of the requests that I put in was, I think it would help significantly if we had in-context video tutorials or, or even just yeah. alerts. Like, okay, like sometimes with some of the settings, because I've run into these issues all the time with analytics audits, and there are settings like the default page where, you know, it's just there as a setting and people, they read a blog post from 2008 and they set it up having no idea how badly that one particular setting can really trash your content report. And so I talked with this friend who's on the Google Analytics team and I was like, I wish you guys had like some kind of pop-up that just says, you know, are you sure you want to use this setting because... You know, here's the chaos it's going to cause in your data if you're actually not a candidate for this setting, you know. And um, anyway, and so I I think SEMrush is really the gold standard in terms of, like, every one of their reports has a video tutorial. So if you ever pull up a report and you're like, oh, I wonder what the purpose of this report is, there's always a video tutorial that just talk about that report and how to use it in some practical applications. So that, you know, that would be my adult Christmas wish. <laughs> I know that'd be really helpful <laughs> because a lot of times even just having examples of um, like when you were talking about calculated metrics until you started talking about examples, it, it really helps me understand better how, you know, websites could use it. So having those tutorials and examples, I think would, definitely be a help. One can dream, hopefully yeah. someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pounding on that door. Yes. Hey, this is, your, this is your quarterly nag. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, okay, so we're kind of going a little over time, which is totally fine. Um, but I wanted to be sure to ask you about audits and about how often uh, websites should be looking at their analytics and doing audits. So, so to kind of start that off, um, in your opinion, how often should websites be doing audits, both on their analytics and then as they're at on their online presence? Yeah. So, I mean, really every year or any time they make a significant change to their website. Um, so then that's really more. Uh, pertaining to site audits, like if they do a redesign, they absolutely should audit their site. Um, and uh, with analytics, I, I would say every year, you know, just to make sure that you know what you're measuring and the performance, you know, uh, the the decisions you're making about the performance of your site it, are actually being made on accurate data. And I wrote a blog post about. One client, it was the saddest analytics audit I've ever done uh, uh -huh. because I basically told them, you need to declare data bankruptcy. Like, you've trashed uh -huh. your data so badly, you can't make any decisions on this because they were overwriting 1.3 million, uh, at that time, visits, now sessions a month um, with rogue tracking. And the sad thing was that they had fired three different agencies um, that they had hired to do their SEO because they said, you know what, they, they don't know what they're doing. And when the fourth one was brought in, she asked me to do an analytics audit because she didn't want to touch their site until she knew that their data was clean. And then, you know, I presented this. But in the back of my mind, I was like, 
man, if those agencies had just run even a cursory analytics audit before they ever touched any of their campaigns, they wouldn't have been fired. <clears throat> so um, definitely anytime something is significant, uh, anytime something significant changes and at least once a year. Okay. Yeah, that's good advice. And, you know, that was kind of ties into something else I wanted to ask you, which is something that I get asked a lot whenever I occasionally do freelance work for small businesses. They want to know how often we should be looking at our analytics data. So, you know, do I need to send them a monthly report or is it weekly or is it daily when you get started? In your opinion, um, how often should a company be looking at their data? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I get asked this a lot too. I would say at least weekly with a caveat. I really recommend that every organization have a dashboard that they set up, whatever tool they use to create the dashboard. But it should be, Google Analytics dashboards are really super lame, but even that's better <laughs> than nothing, you know. Um, but I, I think that they should have a dashboard set up so that they can monitor, you know, even on a daily basis, you because know, different people, you know, you have your OCD people in the organization who they just want to like super monitor everything. Mm -hmm. If you have a dashboard set up, they can do that. They can obsess all they want. Whereas everyone else who, you know, has stuff to do, they can look at it on a weekly basis or, or something. But then on a monthly basis, I highly recommend that they actually dig in and do data mining and use that dashboard as a jumping off point to ask the bigger questions. Like, okay, well, what landing pages really seem to be driving the most you know, conversions for us? And, and what channels, like that channels report that I mentioned earlier, which is my favorite, you know, which of our channels are, you know, are our big winners this month and, and stuff. But if you're all, if you're using all of your time to go and gather that data, then that's wasted time, you know, because yeah. there are tools in place, even simple, simple dashboarding tools that will, you know, pull that data for you automatically, refresh it every day, refresh it throughout the day. And so you, you should really be spending your time getting answers to the questions that the dashboard uh, kind of brings up or surfaces. Yeah, that's a good tip. Automate the reporting as much as possible so you can spend your time on looking at how to make changes versus trying to gather and organize everything. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're out of time. So thank you so much for joining me. It was really interesting. I took notes just for myself. So I really appreciate <laughs> your time. Um, again, this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal and Annie Cushing with Analytics.com. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Kelsey. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.